Hello, friends. Welcome to episode. Uh oh, I don't know what episode this is. Damn. One second. I know now. Ready? Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 337 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter and Touched by Type 1. Please take a moment to go to the links right here in your podcast player's notes, or I've made them available at juiceboxpodcast.com for this episode. Anyway, go to those links, check out the sponsors. Touched by Type 1 is a wonderful organization supporting people with type 1 diabetes, and the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter is absolutely, without a doubt, no BS, the best, easiest to carry, easiest to use, most accurate blood glucose meter Arden has ever had. And if you go to contournextone.com, there's a little thing at the top. I think it's yellow. You click on it to see if you're eligible for an absolutely free meter right now. Contournextone.com, touched by type one.org. If I tell you that today's episode is about one woman's journey through type 1 diabetes, it's too simple of a statement. And if I tell you more, well, then I'm going to have to explain the whole episode to you. So I'm stuck. What do I say to get you to listen to this? Hmm, I don't know. It's good. I'll tell you that much. Kayla has come a long way in a relatively short amount of time. Well, that's not true. It's been a long time, but the journey we're talking... You know what? I got corona brain and corona hair. You should see it. That's like a foot tall. But I don't want to discount this episode because it really is a wonderful story. So I'm going to leave it to you. And of course, I'll remind you that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. And now, the end of the tune. Hello, I'm Kayla McBride. Wow, you jumped right in with your whole name there. Excellent. Okay. (laughs) So Kayla has not gone into some long drawn out like, I'm Kayla McBride and this is my story because Kayla and I have a a history, an email history that goes back into 2017 and it is, Kayla, is it July still? It is, right? Yes. It is July 2019 right now. So many of you write me. I don't know if you understand how it goes or not, but you write me. I see your emails piling up and piling up. And then one day I just put aside hours and I sit down and I answer everyone's emails. It's the best way I've come up with so far, which it's not good. It's just the best I can do. And a lot of us have correspondence that go back and forth. I am normally the, um, I'm I'm not usually the long part of the the conversation. I'm usually like, that's great. Good job. This is cool. Keep writing like that kind of person, because it's just a lot of writing for me. Um, But we thought for this episode, we'd do something a little different. So I'm actually going to read Kayla's first note, and then we're going to start talking, and then we're going to kind of go through the emails together and and see uh, where Kayla has ended up, because it's such a long kind of process. Okay, Kayla, ready? Yeah, ready. <laughs> right. 
So you you wrote in early December 2017, and you subject your email, your subject line for your email was, I finally have hope with T1D. And you said, first of all, I want to thank you for all that you do for the diabetes community, which was very nice. You didn't have to do that. This month is my 10th anniversary with type one. That was amazing, right? Most, yeah. right? I, I mean, 10 years at anything, pretty impressive. But then you told me that most of the journey has not been a smooth one. And this is when I start settling into my chair. I go, okay, here we go. Kayla's going to have a sad <laughs> story. You're like, pull yourself together and write her back, right? I was diagnosed at 17, junior year of high school. Family decided to take a vacation. Um, and then you had felt ill for a while. You'd recently had a, a small surgery, so you figured it was that. And then it wasn't. And, you know, you started blaming jet lag and anything you could, but you're on this trip with your family. You start getting worse, frequent urination. You say intense muscle cramps, shortness of breath, all this bad stuff. You end up in DK in the hospital for six days. Yep. <laughs> in La Jolla, California. I mean, there's worse places, right? I know. We were actually pulling away from that hospital, and there was a huge banner out front that said, number one in diabetes care. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least I made it to the number one. Can you imagine if you pulled away and it said, number three in diabetes care? You'd be like, huh, all right, I guess still not bad. Uh, <laughs> since then, I have struggled with finding a good endocrinologist that lasted longer than a couple of years. My first endo, I love this one, would offer advice like eat a sandwich every night before going to bed to keep your blood sugar from plummeting. Yeah, he, he. That's a great one. How much? I'm trying to imagine how much weight I'd put on if I ate a sandwich every night before I went to bed. I'm I'm thinking probably more than I would want. Um, and then you say uh, he didn't know anything about pumps, so he couldn't recommend them. You did some research about pumps while you were in college. Got an Omnipod. You said that helped uh, keep better control throughout the craziness of college. And then yeah. you said, unfortunately, I was like, oh, there was like two sentences of of upbeat. I was like, here, we're we're gonna make it. Here comes the good part of Kayla's story. She uh, beats the bad guy. And nope, unfortunately, a couple of years back, I had to switch back to MDI because I could no longer afford pumping. Uh, you were a college kid working at a nonprofit. And your MD, uh, you went back to MDI and you said your A1Cs were sitting at nine and that you were very frustrated by that. Yeah. Now, here comes the good part. I started listening to the podcast a couple of months ago and I immediately learned so much about how best to treat diabetes with preventative action, which is obviously what we're talking about here. Stay fluid be ahead of the problem, that kind of thing. I learned the importance of the diabetes community. That's excellent. And that I'm not alone. Most importantly, I've gained so much more confidence in my treatment plan. A month ago, I decided to give the Dexcom a CGM a try. It's been such a lifesaver. I went to my endocrinologist appointment today and found out that my A1C, after a month of this Dexcom thingy, 7.1. I can't wait to see what my A1C is going to be at my next appointment. After I have months of data, being able to direct my blood sugars the way I want, etc. Blah blah blah. I could go on for days. Kayla, I write Kayla back in true form with tiny bullet points, saying, "Wow, your diagnosis sucked." <laughs> People who have yeah. ever written to me are like, "Yeah, this is how this guy gets back to you." Way to go! Um, what you've done with your perspective, not to mention your A one C, is amazing. Congratulations! I hope we can keep in touch, and I would kind of like to know what your next A one C is. So, let's kind of start there. Um, okay. tell me a little bit more about the diagnosis and then meeting this first endocrinologist, endocrinologist, excuse me, that wasn't so great. Well, um, as the letter kind of said, I'd had a tonsillectomy earlier in 2007. Um, and so going into not feeling well and everything, I just thought I was still recovering from that. 
um, as you get older, it takes longer to heal from the tonsillectomy. So I was like, okay, maybe this is going to take a few months. Um, but it was about six months of just not feeling great. Um, and then we just, we had this huge trip planned to San Diego where we were going to see SeaWorld and go to the zoo and, you know, actually eat with Shamu at SeaWorld and all this stuff. And I just always wanted to go. And so, um, we catch a flight and I knew on the flight there that something wasn't right. And I told my mom, even before then, I said, you know, I'm not feeling too great. And she's like, well, as soon as we get home, we're going to get everything tested. So let's just get through this trip. Um, so on the flight, like I get up five or six times to go to the restroom. My feet were tingling the entire time. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and feet, so your feet were tingling. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. <laughs> for me. That's it. That's, I figured if I did this long enough, somebody would say my feet were tangling and you were the one. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, we get to California and the whole trip was just, it was great, but it was also miserable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we went to the zoo and I had to ride the bus around the zoo. We couldn't walk because I was so out of breath the whole time. Um, we went to the dinner with Shamu and I couldn't eat anything because I was so nauseous. So I just ate fruit you know because you're like oh that's a more natural thing to eat but I ended up just that didn't stay down very long and um I remember we went to one like Mexican restaurant while we were there and I had seven glasses of Sprite because you're like when my when I'm nauseous you have Sprite like that's how I was raised like you have Sprite and crackers and that's easy on the stomach but you know now that I know it was type 1 diabetes that I was trying to fight that was probably the worst I could do um so we even get, went to the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory the day before I was diagnosed. <laughs> and we were like, let's just split a big something so we get a big treat. Um, and so the day before we were supposed to drive cross country back to Tennessee from California, um, I basically fell out in the bathroom. Um, and my stepdad pulled me out of the bathroom and they, you know, next thing I know, there's like 10 paramedics in the room. Of course, I'm unconscious slightly in all of this. I ended up, I was in a coma for half a day after this, but um, they said that even when he would try and like, my stepdad would try and like pull down my shirt, that I would like fight him, <laughs> even though I was pretty much out of it, um, but ended up uh, in DKA and I was in the ICU at La Jolla hospital, um, for six days and yeah, it was a real exciting vacation. Did did they tell you what your (laughs) blood sugar was when you were in DKA? Because it's, I mean, your description of the very end is, um, I think indicative of, uh, you were probably pretty much at the end of, uh, being alive there. Yeah. They said my organs were shutting down and, um, you know, my whole family said you were just cold and clammy. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and they said I was a 12, which I, I know I've heard a lot higher, but, you know, my A1C was a 12 is all that I know. I don't know an actual blood sugar. Um, yeah. That's um, really scary. And mm-hmm. <laughs> probably when you look at the story, you probably really needed to go to the hospital back at the tingly feet part. And, yeah. and you powered through. You must have really wanted to go on that vacation. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what I have to ask you? Was Shamu a good cook or do you not remember? <laughs> it was like a buffet style. Oh, so. I thought you went to Shamu's house and they cooked oh, no. and she cooked for you. <laughs> That's not what happened. I see. I got you. All right, fine. 
Well, that's terrible. Hey, Kayla, congratulations on being alive. Uh, because yeah. it sounds like you were right there, um, you know, knocking on uh, heaven's door, uh, as they say. I'm happy that you did not drop dead. Congratulations. But that was um, really just the beginning for you, right? Like, so now you're you're diagnosed and you're still a high school student. Not, right. Not fun. Um, no. you're, ba- you're back in Tennessee now. Um, no longer in the number one diabetes center in La Jolla. Right. And, and you meet, so you meet, I guess, let me, let me just ask a little bit. Was this during the summer? No, it was during the school year. So I was, it was actually December, 2007 when I was diagnosed. I was in the hospital during like New Year's. I was going to say this was like a Christmas trip for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now I feel bad because I know how hard it is to take a family on a vacation. It just, it really, seriously, did you notice, by the way, everyone's diagnosed on vacation. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you're back in Tennessee and you're going, going to school. So uh, 10 years ago, is that, I'm assuming they just gave you like, was it pens or needles or what did you get to start with? Yeah, it was just syringes and the glass vials. Um, and so, you know, of course, in high school, everyone was like, oh, she's going to shoot up before, <laughs> before lunch. And um, my English teacher at the time was had this little side room that was kind of his office. He was like, you can just step in there before lunch every day and, you know, do your thing. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really nice well, to have that. that. Nice of them. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming about like the 13th time for the shoot up comments, you're like, I got to move away from here one day. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, so did you not find, did you not find high school too troubling with diabetes or how did you find it? Well, it was kind of towards my end of my high school journey. So I think in that letter I said junior year, but it's actually my senior year, um, December, my senior year. So, I mean, I had six months and then I was having to go to college. So, um, our whole relationship's based on a lie. That's in the second (laughs) sentence of the first email. I'm sorry, we're going to have to call this short. Bye-bye. Uh, no. <laughs> so, okay, that was actually your senior year. Okay, so yeah. you just went back, finished up your senior year, and then jumped into into college. Doesn't sound any – now, that sounds worse to me. I thought at least you had a, nice, a year to get sort of accustomed to things. But you just finished up the last half of your senior year and were right away. Did, how far away was college? Did you have to – was it far from home? I stayed in town, um, and I'm so glad that I did choose that. Um, cause I, I had already decided on Lipscomb university as my college, which is in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I already decided that in my junior year. So, um, so yeah, I stayed in town. I was close. So even though I'm sure it wrecked my whole family to be like, you know, hope she stays alive. Hope she knows what she's doing. <laughs> At least I was close. Bye Kayla. Good I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, did you know what you were doing? So I, I really credit the Omnipod a lot for keeping me alive in college. Because <laughs> <laughs> so many times I was just like, okay, I'm setting these alarms and I'm not going to worry about it until I hear one. And But I didn't have them in, at good parameters. I didn't, you know, like it's just all the time you're trying to check and no, so you I don't just, know. <laughs> no, 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 don't. So you're describing something that I think is is probably now still and was more so years ago just a common way of dealing with your diabetes. I've 
you know, they've given me these, I don't know, mathematical equations that tells me how much insulin. And I get up in the morning, I test my blood sugar, I give myself insulin, I eat, I wait a certain number of hours. I do it again. It's usually another mealtime by then. This keeps happening. My blood sugar is never where I want it to be, but that's okay. I'll try again. And that's pretty much it. But I think what you were saying a moment ago was that by putting on an Omnipod or having an insulin pump at all, at least you didn't have to draw a needle. Were you skipping when you were doing MDI? Were there times where you were just like, I'm not giving myself insulin? Like, did you skip it? Oh, yeah. And I would even do that with the Omnipod. I would just I would skip meal doses and be like, well, I have a, a drip going in, you know, so That's it won't be too bad. <laughs> okay, so Kayla, first of all, your story is fairly common. And um, I really appreciate you sharing it with everybody. Uh, so yeah. even with a pump on, even when you hear me like, and I'm doing my ads, and I'm like, just push the button. It's so easy. Um, you were like, yeah, I just looked at that button. I was like, no, thanks. Now, what stops you when you're wearing a pump and it is just honestly as easy as pushing a button and saying, I would like you to give me insulin for 35 carbs and button when it's that simple, what stops you from doing it? The contour next one blood glucose meter. Let's talk about it. How about it's tiny, but still easy to hold. How about it's got a little light on it, but that light is plenty bright enough. In the middle of the night, when you can't find your blood drop, just push the light. Oh, look, there's the blood. I see it. Just like that. It's very simple. Other things about that light that you might not know is you sort of set your, not sort of, that would be silly. How would you sort of set your, let's start over again. One of the other things about those lights that you don't know, but you could know if you went to contournext1.com and read about it, is that you can set them for ranges. Right. So when you get a test, say you're like beep beep, right? And it's like 93, and 93 is in your range, the light will turn green. Oh, see what I'm saying? You do, don't you? So it's just sort of this visual cue. This is where I mean to be. This is above where I mean to be, below where I mean to be. It's a little, little, little something, but adds a lot of a panache and value. Not that panache is not valuable. Another thing you're going to love about the Contour Next One is the app that goes along with it that you can use or not use. Totally up to you. Nobody's forcing you to use the app, but you can if you want. And it's available for Android and iPhone. It'll help you plot those data points and make sense of your blood sugars. Now, just from personal experience, I find the meter to be incredibly easy to handle. It's got a beautiful bright light for nighttime. And the test strips, beyond being accurate, super accurate, in fact, they're just easy to use, meaning I can touch the blood drop, not get as much as I need, and go back in and get more without wasting a test trip. So that's amazing. For certain, I can tell you this, that of all of the blood glucose meters Arden has ever had, this is my personal favorite and hers. It's simple to use. It is handy, sleek, right? Mm, like a ski boat almost. You know, when you look at, I'm not into boats, but I've seen people look at boats and they go, ooh, look at that boat. That's how I feel about the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Anyway, we've gotten off track. I think we all realize that now. ContourNextOne.com. Top of the page. Get a free Contour Next One meter. Click on that to see if you're eligible. And if you're not, it's a blood glucose meter. If you have insurance, they're not really that expensive. So ask your doctor about it today. Get started with the meter that Arden and I really adore. And with that little bit of time you've now made for yourself in your life, 
right? By not fumbling with your old meter or being like angry at it, because this thing's never right. Go to touchedbytype1.org. Take that new free time, that new lightness in your soul, and go share it with other people. Or at least let them share their lightheartedness with you. Touchedbytype1.org is the place to go to watch people be lifted up, supported, and and watch them raise money to help find a cure for type 1 diabetes. Touchedbytype1.org. Contournext1.com. Links in your show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's find the answer out to the question I just asked Kayla before the break and really roll into her story. This is an interesting episode. I'll tell you why at the end of this little... I like the way the music right here. I like right? It just trickles out to the end. I guess if I didn't talk over, you'd be able to hear it better. Right? Anyway, what I liked about this interview most is that I was doing a lot of reading in the very beginning, reading the email, which I didn't realize at the time made me feel uncomfortable. I really do like the podcast to be free-flowing. But Kayla and I get through the emails in a little bit, and the conversation kind of sinks in a little more. She's more comfortable. I'm back into my groove. And uh, this this episode's interesting. It takes on two kind of lives. Lives? Definitely lives, not lives. Lives would be completely incorrect. This episode takes on kind of two different lives. Why did I say kind of? This episode takes on two different lives. And you're about to see the transition. Well, hopefully you'll see it. Anyway, I've now talked meaninglessly for a minute and you probably skip through this, but back to the show. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. When it's that simple, what stops you from doing it? At the time, I was still with that first endocrinologist, and I honestly did not feel knowledgeable about type 1D at all. Um, I did not really know how to accurately dose, and I was really scared of the insulin, honestly. Um, So I said, well, at least I know I know I have a little bit in me, and if it gets too high, I can just bump it down with a whole lot and be ready to catch it at the bottom. <laughs> did you so, did your doctor ever say something to you and you don't you've never said this in your emails but i'm just wondering has anyone ever said to you back then better high than low um i think they were always really scared of the lows but they weren't even they would just say you just need to do better like that's what i kept hearing was you do, you need to take care of yourself better and i was like i don't know what that means <laughs> No, of course. And and it, by the way, too, when you're just introduced into diabetes, when you're <clears throat> in your senior year of high school, not your junior year of high school, but in your senior year of high school, right? When this is your introduction and then, you know, you're graduating and then boom off to college, you need to do better from a person who is not telling you what that means or, or, or how to get to that spot in a world where I mean, let's be honest. If like you need an Advil for something and it says every six hours, how frequently do you really take your Advil? Every six hours, right? Like you take it mm-hmm. and you feel a little better and then you forget again. It's um, it's actually one of the biggest problems that uh, prescribing physicians have with medications is that it's just human nature. You start to feel better or you don't feel badly, whichever, you know, whichever it is. And that just doesn't make you think to take the medication again. Um, Mm -hmm. a a huge problem in uh, the world of people with antidepressants, ironically, is they begin out, you know, sometimes depressed, they take their antidepressant, they stop feeling depressed. And the minute they stop feeling depressed, they go, I don't need that medicine anymore. I'm not depressed. 
never connecting the line between I'm not depressed anymore, maybe because I took the medication. And it's just, it's very common. Um, So I don't want you and I'm, you know, you don't need me telling you, but you shouldn't feel bad about this. Like this is no different than if I put a six year old in the car and told him to drive across the country, you know, and then they ran into a tree at the end of my driveway and me yelling up going, what are you doing? You got to do better. (laughs) I mean, think of how ridiculous that is, you know? So you're going along in, in this kind of loop um, of just, you know, I test when I can. I test when I think about it. I don't want to be low. I'm scared of being low. What happened? Did you have a bad low that, that threw you off or was it just the fear someone put into you? I honestly didn't have too many bad lows. Um, and even in, like, I, I've been able to catch them all. There was one incident. Um, it was the day after a Thanksgiving one year. Um, I want to say it was like 2013 or something um, that I I fell out in the hallway with a low blood sugar and they had to do like the jail. And I ended up going to um, the hospital, but I didn't remember any of that. But (laughs) (laughs) that's the good thing about being low. You don't really remember any of it. And by the way, it took me two usages of the phrase fell out to realize that you were saying passed out. But um, that's a a local colloquialism, I imagine. I guess. So if I told you I passed out, would you know that I meant fell out? Yeah. Yeah. I see. People got your own little like country down there or something. (laughs) I I hear what's happening. All right. Um, So that, so even that's more interesting, right? Not a lot of bad lows, still afraid. And and that's just the message, right? That people get so often, like, be afraid, be afraid. The insulin's going to kill you. I'm like, yeah, the insulin not having, it's going to kill me too. Like, what is the, it's, it's just a strange, you know, I feel like I repeat myself sometimes, but such a strange idea to decide, well, I'd rather die tomorrow than today. You're still dead. Like, what's the difference? And so, you know, like, why not take a shot at living healthy here? Like, why is that not the message coming from the doctor? Like, look, this insulin can be dangerous if you use it incorrectly. Let's learn together how, but it sounds like your doctor really didn't even know how to tell you to use it correctly. And, And given them credit where it's due 10 years ago, no CGM, right? Like, it's not like that, you know, not like anybody had ever seen anybody's blood sugars. Everybody was really just working on this, like, test, wait, test again theory. The problem is, is that standing here today in 2019, that's still the advice a lot of people get. Mm -hmm. Um, That that sucks. So you find the podcast, what's the first thing that strikes you that makes you think, oh, wow, maybe there's a different way? Well, um, I, when I found it, I was on MDI and I was off the Omnipod just because I couldn't afford it anymore. Um, and I heard you talk a lot about the Dexcom, which I actually tried for a week in college. I tried the Dexcom out, okay. but because I was so out of control, I was just overwhelmed. And it was one of those, you know, my, that first endocrinologist was kind of if he didn't understand it, he didn't really want me to do it. So he didn't understand the Omnipod. He didn't understand the Dexcom. <laughs> um, I, I, hope, I want to stop you for one second. I hope people understand <laughs> that when another human being tells you, you need to figure this out, what they're really saying to you is, I don't understand this either. I can't help you with it. So like, don't let, don't let that pressure feel like that. Like, understand that if you had a better teacher, a better teacher wouldn't tell you, hey, there's algebra. You go figure it out. They would actually explain it to you. So, (laughs) so you tried it once, saw your blood sugars and thought to yourself, Hey, this guy's right. I do need to take better care of myself, but I don't know how. So I'm going to stop seeing my blood sugar now and kind of got away from it. Yeah. So when I started listening to your podcast, 
um, in 2017, um, it got me interested in the Dexcom again. And I knew that I needed a stronger control on my blood sugars, that I was only capturing that one window that I tested my sugars in. Um, and so when I got the Dexcom, after I had listened to some of your episodes, I wasn't as intimidated. I was like, okay, I know enough about myself. I've gotten myself through diabetes this far in life. You know, let's figure this out. So good for you. Yeah, that just that idea of like I'm still alive. Now let me try to be alive better. If right. I, if I let's can be. feel better yeah. every day. And, and, and that really <laughs> is not to be overlooked, right? Is that you did not feel well most of your life in in in, that, in those years? Is that pretty accurate? Right. Yeah. I just felt like there was, you know, not a whole lot of energy going on. And I kind of wonder if, if my whole college experience would be different if I had had better blood sugars in that time. I'm sure it would have been. Yeah. But, I'm sorry for you. That's uh, definitely can feel like something that's lost that you can't get back. But I don't think that's true. I just think that, you know, I mean, there's plenty of good things I've done in my life. I don't remember either. So don't worry about what happened <laughs> in the past. Like just, you know, move forward and keep doing what you're doing, I think. Okay, so yeah. basically, that was a beautiful email that you sent me. I responded back, like I said, with bullet points. Uh, and and even though I wonder, and so let me ask you just very quickly, not to get too far away from your story, but when you send such a beautiful and thoughtful and well-written letter and you get back 53 words, do you, on your end, do you think, oh, that guy must be busy? Or do you think, geez, you could have given a little more to me here, buddy? Well, I definitely know that you get a ton of emails, so... I was just excited to get any response and the fact that you did take the time to, you know, talk to different parts of the letter. I was like, Oh, that's really sweet. And you know, he's doing a whole lot. I really do read them all. (laughs) I just, I I hope everybody understands. It's just, it becomes overwhelming at some point, but I really do read every one of them. And so thank you. I was hoping that you didn't feel like you got, you know, shortchanged because I, no, not at all. Great. So you did what we talked about and you wrote back again. And now it's like, you know, the end of June, early July in 2018, and you're like, hey, Scott, I want to send you an update on my last six months. I was like, excellent. Kayla's back. Kayla, who has a a perfect name to be in uh, country music, uh, is, is is writing me again. Positive stuff first, she says. See, finally now, she's everyone's starting to understand, like, hey, let me just, I'll throw the good stuff out and then ready the guy for the bad stuff. Um, my A1C has continued to improve. 6.4 in March of 2018, and now this month, 6.1. I mean, that's stunning. You started at a nine. Yeah. Um, th- these are numbers I never thought were possible. My thyroid medication is also decreasing. All this is amazing. I'm still having issues with Dawn Phenomenon. Nurse practitioner said we might uh, look into adding metformin. I wondered if you'd talked to any type ones that have tried metformin. And then you said, not now. Now the not so shiny points. And I was like, it's funny because even the positive stuff, you were like, I might have to take that form. And that was positive to you. You said the diabetes, uh, the diabetic drain is real. Uh, we should all receive free counseling for the mental and physical strain we have to endure. Today, I went to my endo uh, and got those even better results. But sometimes a break would be nice. A break from the planning ahead, the constant financial stress, the lack of sleep, etc., I've been in a slow, oh, excuse me, I've been in a slump of low energy, tiredness, anxiety, wanting food comforts, then feeling guilty for them. I'm always a person to say, snap out of it. Um, I just having a little bit of a hard time this time around. So you said, you know, I just thought I'd share the physical and mental stuff, blah, 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 and continue, blah, 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 thank you, relentless Kayla. Right. And so, okay. 
Now, let's see. That was June 28th. I promptly responded back to Kayla five weeks later. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was such a bad idea. Now I feel bad about this. And I, I said, this A1C news is amazing. Congratulations. And then I said, are you having any luck coming out of the burnout? Which is basically because five weeks had passed. And I didn't know if you had thrown yourself out a window yet or not. And, and yeah. so, right. Um, and then it, it, we don't talk again, really. In September, October, November, December. And so, you know, okay. You, so let's talk about that point right there, that spot in time. Diabetes burnout. That's what people call it, right? Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's anything burnout. Like, right? Everything's like that. Anything you have to do frequently, have to do daily becomes monotonous. And when you're, doing it and doing it the best you can and it's not going your way, it's even more difficult, right? Because you're just, you're like, why I'm killing myself for this and it's not even working out. And, but still when it works out, it's still a lot of work. So I, I wondered if you couldn't talk about that a little bit, like what it's like to do something day after day after day. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's really helped me get through is sharing what I'm going through with others. And you talk about that all the time on here is the importance of community and knowing that you have support, but it's people realizing what exactly you have to go through. And, you know, it's not just me asking, what are we going to have for lunch? But it's me asking, you know, what do I need to plan for? Um, And so that's really helped me a lot in turning my mindset around is having, you know, my family and friends that are closest to me take the time to ask, you know, how are you doing? How are your, how's everything going with your diabetes? How's your health? Um, and then when I do explain to them, they kind of get it instead of kind of just going, oh, okay, okay. But not really understanding what all diabetes is, which I know it's a complicated topic, but. <laughs> do you think I should record an episode where I just speak to you like you're there, but you're not there. And then I leave long pauses of silence where you can answer out loud while you're driving in your car. <laughs> Like, like if the podcast just started and I was like, hey, how are you? It's so good to see you. Then I don't talk for like 30 seconds while you're like, I'm good, Scott. How have you been? And I go, I'm great. And then there's a long pause because I could do that um, <laughs> for people who are, you know, not around others that understand their diabetes or, or don't have a place to talk to other people. I have to tell you, one of the things about this show that uh, initially surprised me was feedback like that. Like the idea that I don't know another person with type one, there are no conversations about diabetes in my life and listening to other people talk about it is, is really helpful to me. I did not, I mean, I guess I expected a little bit, but not to the level that you and other people have described. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you, did you, how did you engage those people? Did you actually go to somebody like your mom and say, look, I need to talk about this sometimes, or I need you to be interested in it. Or did you just start doing it? How did you get that rolling? Well, Dexcom helps a lot because I, I tend to wear them on my arm. Um, and so people ask that question, what is that? And then you can go into, well, I have type one diabetes and, um, you know, they may say, well, I have a friend that has type one or type two or whatever, but then you can kind of roll from there and say, you know, um, this tests my blood sugar every five minutes. Um, it helps me kind of see what's going on throughout the day and how to plan for what's coming next. Um, and so it is really more of a preventative care than I've had before, you know? So your gear is acting as an icebreaker. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because there are as many people, 
I've heard from as many people who think, I hate when somebody sees my pump or my CGM and they start talking to me about it. What is this? And now you're giving me the exact opposite. Like, so that even that is just perspective and the way you react. Because you could take an opportunity when somebody's like, hey, what's that? To say, this is what it is. And and then maybe you'd find this sort of connection that Kayla found as well. Just an ability to meet a person and talk about diabetes for a second. Like, it's a normal thing. Because it really is a normal thing. But not to everyone. And so you're left on your end feeling like, well, geez, it's not normal to them, so I won't bring it up, or or this makes me different. But they have stuff that is normal to them that you don't have, but they don't think of it as making them different. Isn't it weird? Like, you know, if I was a, I don't know, like if I liked photography and you didn't, I wouldn't think, oh gosh, I should hide my photography because it makes me different. It's just, you know, you should yeah. celebrate your differences, right? Like it's, I mean, that's got to be a t-shirt um, that that already exists. And, and so there's a good reason for it because it's important to do. It is important to look at yourself and say, this is me. There's nothing wrong with any of this. And um, no reason not to tell somebody about it. That is really, right. that's really excellent. Are your, is your family more involved than they were in the past? Yes, they are. Um, and I think a lot of it was, you know, I had six months kind of under their roof and then I was gone to college. And so they didn't really see that struggle and me trying to learn how to function and um, with this disease. And so, um, I think it took me getting the Dexcom and sharing my better A1Cs with them. And then they would ask questions. And then last year, um, my mom and sister went to the JDRF um, conference with me. And it just like ramped them up. They were so excited. <laughs> Excellent. That's so cool. Because then they see all those other people who were, you know, living your situ- your, your life. And, and it's... I don't know what I don't know what that does, but it certainly does something because I've felt it as well. Um, I've been to big conferences, and there is an energy that's you know unmistakable. Uh, it's, it's very cool that they did that with you. Okay, so six months after my that's an amazing good job note. Sorry, <laughs> um, you, you write back again, and now it's January of 2019. Hello, Scott. I hope you're doing well. It took some tough talks with my doctor, but I have finally had some luck figuring out what self-care I need to stay positively motivated in the midst of my daily health. I have started Weight Watchers to help with my accountability in what I'm eating and to encourage me to keep moving. That's excellent. And that's also just another look at planning, right? Like I was thinking that when you were saying it earlier, like you have to plan for your insulin, plan for when you're going to put on your pump, that sort of thing. Um, and, and eating is the same thing. Like I, people say it all the time. Like if I know what I'm going to have, I'm okay. It's when I roll into the kitchen hungry that I get into trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, so a little planning ahead. You switched up. Let's say, what'd you do? You, uh, in the mornings I switched it up with either yoga or Tai Chi along with walks throughout the day. Um, due to my dawn phenomenon, I found that less intense workouts are best for me. So I'm not battling an even more intense spike in the morning. So you were getting up in the morning, seeing higher blood sugars, then doing a tough workout, which was probably spiking up your adrenaline and other things, your blood sugar was going up. Right. Which I'm assuming felt like a mixed message to you because you were doing something healthy and having an unhealthy response. Yes. And it would help my blood sugars the rest of the part of the day, but that morning was such a struggle. Cool. So you just stepped back, it sounds like to me, thought about it, and said, okay, obviously the, the 
the exercise is helping me throughout the day, but what could I do right now to stop this one spike? Jeez. Kayla, you have, in the in, in the span of about a year and a half, gone from like, hey, everything sucks, to like figuring out, like, to figuring out all these things. It's, it's just an amazing turnaround for you. Like, that, you must be jacked up. Like, you have to be walking yeah. around some days like, Kayla is killing it. And, and uh, I don't know if you talk to yourself in the mirror or not, yeah. but... If you do, that's what I would say. Okay, so hold on. I found uh, less intense workouts. Oh, uh, new A1C goal. Uh, you've reached a new A1C back in January 2019. 5.7. Yeah. You said it was unreal to you. I think it's unreal to me too. It's <laughs> stunning. Like, I mean, you started at a nine. And you were and you were like just looking at the button on your on your Omnipod going, eh, nah, I'll just eat. And And now you're, look at you. You went from ah nah I'll just eat to yoga tai chi in a five seven. You're you're like a success story, unlike anything else, except that it's not unlike anything else because this is one. I hope everyone's listening. One of many 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 emails that follow this path that I have. So the point is, it's really possible for anybody. You, you know, yeah. it genuinely is. Um, well, congratulations. First of all, that's amazing. Um, what did it feel like? Like, what's it feel like to wake up 18 months later and, and feel like you're having a completely different life? It's, it's still surreal that, you know, I'm able to get this control because for so long I just felt like, oh, you know, some people are able to do that, but not me. Um, but the more I see the better blood sugars and the better I feel and the more energy I have, and it just makes me want to do more. So Actually, a week ago, I got the end pin. So no longer am I on the just MDI flex pins. I'm now on the end pin. And that's been even more of a change and more helpful. So That's amazing because yesterday, Companion Medical, who makes the end pen, contacted me about maybe um, becoming an advertiser on the podcast. That's crazy. Um, I hadn't really heard from them much at all since they were on like a long time ago. But did you hear about them on the podcast? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think I think we're finding a, a tone to our conversation here. Uh, <laughs> this is this is very cool. Oh, so now you have you're in, you're using a pen now that's talking to your Dexcom data. Explain yes. a little bit to me how it works. So it doesn't do um, on the actual InPen app itself. It only shows you your blood sugar from blood sugar from three hours ago. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can look at your NPIM uh, app and see your current blood sugars. But whenever you go and enter in, if you're about to eat or if you need to do a correction or anything, then that's when you can go in, do the calculator. Um, and it compares your current blood sugar to what you're about to eat, to the carbs you're about to intake. So oh, that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty out. Um, and it has been really awesome so far. <laughs> no, it's, it's when I, you know, it's funny. I had, I had them on originally because the gentleman, one of the creators of the InPen was a person who started, I, I started knowing them through Dexcom. They were, they worked at Dexcom. Mm -hmm. And so I felt comfortable when they wanted to come on because I thought, okay, it's a person who knows what they're talking about. I like their goal for this, for the product. You know, I think it's worth talking to them about it, even though we don't use it. So, because it, you know, it's a little weird for me if I don't, if I haven't used it to talk about it. It's hard for me sometimes. Um, but with that connection and I knew where he was coming from, it made sense to me. 
it's just so cool to know that it's working for you. And I'm sure others too, but that's just, uh, that is really cool. Good for you. Look at this. This podcast yeah. has really been good for you. And I know it tell has. It's been much, awesome. Kayla, tell how much you pay for the podcast. Tell everybody. Nothing. It's free. <laughs> That's right. It's absolutely 100% free. Okay. So uh, I went to the JDRF conference last week, told as many people as I could about the podcast. Thank you. Um, it's helping so many people tackle uh, confidence, difficult disease. My friend's mom has actually just decided to get a Dexcom. She was diagnosed with type 1 later in life. She's got... Uh, a severe fear of lows. Told her to listen to the podcast and start target range. Oh yeah, I like that. It's excellent. I mean, is there really no better advice with the Dexcom than where to set your range at? Mm -hmm. You you know, like how much it helps you with. You go on a little bit about other stuff. Very cool. Ah, now this is about the time I say to you, Kayla. I love getting your emails. And by the way, I emailed you back the same day that time, which just means that. Somehow Kayla emailed me on the day that I was answering emails. <laughs> um, uh, just really congratulatory about your path uh, and stuff like that because, you know, honestly, um, it's it's phenomenal. I went back and I read through those emails and I was like, this is absolutely astonishing. And it's why I want to talk about this way on the podcast today. At some point in there, over the next couple of days, I forced you to come on the show. <laughs> I said... Uh, would you, would you want to come on the podcast? And you said yes, which is terrific. So now we're sort of through our emails and to to present day. So I'm going to put my email away because I hate reading while I'm doing this because I'm bad at it, first of all. Um, and I And I just need to ask you if you were going to, you know, it's so simple to say go find yourself two years ago or 10 years ago or whatever. But if you were, if you found somebody today who was in your situation what do you think you would tell them? Like, take the podcast out of it. Take everything else out of it. If I put you in charge of helping that other person, you become me and somebody else becomes you. What do you, what do you say to them? First of all, I would tell them to make sure that everyone around you knows what you're going through um, and they can help you in the good times and the bad times. That support is going to be everything. So I think that would be the top Thing, whether it's, you know, joining JDRF, um, doing, you know, the different breakout groups with that, or um, there was an awesome one here in town, Party Like a Diabetic, um, and she helps out, you know, people that are kind of the middle age um, D1Ds and how they can manage the carbs and, you know, still go out and have some fun every now and again, but still... Um, manage their blood sugars and be smart with their diabetes. So it, the support groups are everything. (laughs) And the idea that you, it's not all or nothing, right? That you don't have to be perfect or just give everything away and forget it. Right. Right. There is a, there's absolutely a balance and you might not always, I mean, listen, you just, your A1C is stunning right now, right? Do you know what it is right now? Cause you've probably had it done again since you wrote me last. Um, 6.1 was the last one. See, that's great to hear that you were five, seven, you're six, one. Did you feel any difference between five, seven and six, one? Not really. No, you shouldn't because it's the same thing. And so you you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's a really great a one C and that's another thing I I see people do that. I I feel badly about if if you, you you know, if you have a whatever 0.7 this time and next time it's a point four, you're like, Oh great. I'm, you know, did better. But if it goes to the 0.8 next time, 
I mean, honestly, 6.8, 6.4, 6.7, is there really that much of a difference? You know, like, to me, what that says is, what I'm doing is working, mm-hmm. but there's probably something in there. If I really want to tighten it down, there's probably something in there I'm missing because I'm, I'm moving around a little bit. Because I can tell you that Arden's A1C just basically doesn't move anymore. You know, it's, I, I tell people it's been between 5.2 and 6.2 for the past five years, and it has. But even the 5.2, I don't know, like, what happened there? You know what I mean? Like, that was amazing. But she's just generally right at 5.5, five, 5.6. Five, five, like, it sits. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning for that is the tools. I'm using the same tools every day. And so it stands to reason that the outcomes would be the same. You, you know what I mean? Don't change the tools. The outcomes don't change too much. That's the place you're looking for, like this spot where you just do what you do and you're okay. And you don't even have to worry about your A1C. I don't even think, if it wasn't for this podcast, I don't even know if I would even ask anymore because I'm that confident it's going to be right where it is. You, you know what I mean? Like it's just, if you do the things you're supposed to do, it works. And and there's a there's a great relief in that because then you don't always think like, oh gosh, am I doing the right thing? You just know, you just, this repetitive action. And in my mind, that's planning. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, 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 for sure. Cool. So, okay, so support, right? 100% for you, that was the most important thing. Some sort of support, somebody you even, and what does that mean in real life? It doesn't always mean I'm imagining like that you can go to your mom and be like, hey, everything's terrible. Is it? Is it just enough sometimes to be around a person who you know understands? Yes, for sure. Um my uh, boyfriend, RC, we've been together six years and he is, he's the one that I have my Dexcom tethered to. Um, and he's just really quick to say, Hey, are you snacking? Hey, how are you feeling today? You know, anytime that he sees my blood sugars being a little crazy. Um, or when we get home, he's like, what happened this morning? You know, just things that he knows that there are other factors that go into it. And he doesn't do the freak out method. <laughs> <laughs> But, he, you know, he's just really supportive about it. And my sister has been more in tune and she just became a physical trainer. So she's been learning all the nutrition side of things. And she'll call me with random tips about, have you tried this? You know what? You should do this and see what your blood sugar does. And, you know, so she's been really fascinated to learn more as well. So that's excellent. I, I yeah. think that it's it's important that. To, to say to people that when that support you're looking like really listen to what she's saying like it's not like they came along and they were like hey you should change your basal insulin like it's not that specific it's just like how are things i saw blah 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 and then and you don't get defensive about it you're just like no you know i wasn't or do you do you ever like do you ever hear back from them and think all right not today shut up so before i tethered my dexcom to rc's phone and his technology i had to have the talk with them like look you're gonna see some crazy blood sugars every now and again and I kind of said you know you can't freak out every time you have to trust me that I know what I'm doing I mean I'd like for you to still check in and say hey how's it going but don't immediately call 911 if I'm you know have a high for a little bit of time give me give me a little bit of, of faith that I can get it down you know yeah so. that's excellent so you, so you set some parameters and some expectations yeah, for sure. And he followed them. Yeah. Sounds like a good guy. <laughs> so now every time I get a good A1C, my parents are like, good job. And RC, good job too. <laughs> Listen, I don't like RC getting credit. I would prefer if they called me. 
but I mean, it's fine. No, that's, that's amazing. It, it really is a spectacular story. Just, you know, find one person. Now, what do I do? <clears throat> what do I do if I can't find a person? What do I do if my life does not include people who I'm close to or that understand not to freak out and that kind of thing is online another way to go? Yeah. Or, I mean, this podcast is a huge connection to, hey, I'm not the only one dealing with this struggle and here's how other people are overcoming it. And um, it's been a, a big outlet for me as well. And you understand, I hope that I ask because I don't have diabetes. So I don't know what you're talking about right now. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand the thing that you're explaining. I mean, I understand it because you're explaining it really well, but I don't, I can't internalize it. Like I can talk more about the management stuff because I understand it better. Mm -hmm. The rest of this podcast is just me wondering out loud, trying to figure out what to tell my daughter one day. So, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you guys are helping me way more than I'm helping you, but, um, I mean, you're not charging me either. So we're, we're all, get, we're just here for free doing a thing together. Um, but it really is different for me. Like, I don't know your com the conversation you and I are having right now, besides it's besides the fact that it's going to be incredibly helpful for the people who are listening, it's going to help me, but not today. It'll help me when my daughter goes to college or, you know, when she's an adult and she needs somebody to talk to, but how much do I talk to her? Like th these conversations are going to be what rings in my head when I'm trying to help her. So mm -hmm. I fooled you guys. This is all for me. And, uh, you're just, it's just lucky that it's working out for you too. <laughs> um, okay. So RC, uh, not named after the soda, I imagine. And no, but we, we tell people that we're like RC, like the cola. I would absolutely tell people that he's part of the, uh, RC cola, family and um that you know he's a he's a has a soda magnet maybe you know that, that sort of thing all right would he well and of course then they call me moon pie so wait wait a minute what say it again <laughs> if you go to any like you know small town here in tennessee or just i think in the south you'll see there's these little country stores and they have rc cola and moon pie stuff everywhere so moon pie is kind of have you ever had a moon pie i know, or heard I, of I, one? I, know I know what it is i've not had one <laughs> okay before. okay so yeah, so they apparently they go good together. I haven't tried it myself, but. <laughs> but so you and RC go well together. So you are moon pie. Yeah. I like it. I'm a dinner. <laughs> okay. You guys should steal one of the signs out of one of those stores one time. <laughs> Stealing things isn't good. Never mind. I shouldn't have said that. Are you using the podcast mostly as community at this point, or are we still saying things at times that you're like, "Ooh, good idea. I'll try that." Yeah, both. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think the shade, the shade episode you put up recently. I loved, I loved under, your under, sassiness under the, under the shade bus with Maddie. Yes, yeah. it was awesome, and I loved the sassiness against Medtronic. And <laughs> they should be nicer um, to people and care more, <laughs> and stop trying to take everybody's money and give them back stuff that only works. To, eh. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, get it, Scott. <laughs> How much harder would you have to try just to do a good job? Think of it that way. Right. right? Very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maddie was terrific. I, I really enjoyed her a lot. And you guys are. She's awesome. And you're, yeah. not, you're not similar in age, really. I mean, you're you're a decade out of, almost a decade out of college, right? And she's in college right now. So. Yeah, but I still see myself as <laughs> a lot younger. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you now? <laughs> so. I want to ask you, we're about 10 minutes left, so I want to ask you a couple other questions. So you alluded a couple of times in your notes that your weight was a struggle for you. 
Yeah. And has the improvements you've made with your blood sugars led to any difference or change there that you can see? Um, not really, but I think the confidence that I can do different activities now, um, now that my blood sugars are under control and I can, you know, do harder workouts and I have a lot more confidence in what my body is able to do mm-hmm. and that's helped me feel stronger. So I think my main focus is just to be healthier and not to focus so much on that number, which is, it's hard, but. Yeah. Would yeah. you, can I ask you back when you were diagnosed, would you have considered your weight not where you wanted it then? Well, not when I was diagnosed because I had lost 40 pounds, but. <laughs> Prior to that, I guess I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, my weight has always been an issue. Um, and I've always felt a little heavier than everybody, but I figure as long as you're focusing on your health and doing the best you can, then that's, you know, that's still a good thing for sure. Yeah. So I'm wondering if any of the sort of, I don't want to say lessons, but the things that you've learned over the last year or so with your type one, does any of it translate to that? Or have you not considered it that way yet? Because it's interesting, like, you know, I said before that the planning aspect of dieting is very similar to the planning aspect of keeping your blood sugar where you want it. Mm-hmm. And, and I was wondering if like, now that you have found like sort of this rhythm with your diabetes, if there was a way to translate some of those ideas to, you know, th- your other goals, I guess. Yeah. I think it's made me more confident to try different things. Um, and because I have found that rhythm with my diabetes, it's not as big a struggle to add on other things like trying a different diet or trying, you know, a different routine um, is not as complicated or um, overwhelming because I know that I can do my diabetes well now. See, that's really interesting, isn't it, too, that when you're having multiple struggles on multiple fronts, the, the, it really just feels hopeless, mm-hmm. right? It, you know? And so now you've found hope in one spot and it makes you feel like, okay, that doesn't need as much focus. I can shift some of the energy I have left and some of the focus I have left to this other place. Um, right. and it's huge because you're an adult, you're going to work. You, you know what I mean? Like you get up and like, think about your life. You go to work, you have diabetes, uh, you'd like to, you know, exercise and do things like that. RC is taking up your time. I can hear it. And, um, and, and, you know, you've got a relationship with your sister, relationship with your parents, you've yeah. all these different things and there are only 24 hours in a day and you're asleep for eight of them. So, you know what I mean? I have 16 hours to accomplish all those things. Eight of them I'm working. Now I'm down to eight left. I'm tired. I have to make myself dinner in there. Like, where is the time to tackle a new thing? Because you can't ignore the diabetes completely, right? You're always with that. Right. It's very, it's, it's important to get the diabetes thing, that piece in check so that it, it creates more space for you in other places. Um, yeah. It's so much less of a burden when you actually feel like you know what you're handling. <laughs> yeah. and, and it is completely, completely understandable when you don't have those tools, you know, when you take yourself back 10 years ago to, to, it's completely understandable that you wouldn't have anything left for anything else. That just the the struggling with diabetes and then feeling bad about it. And then, like you said, too, being tired, worn down, 
I'm sure you were probably foggy and didn't realize it. You said, you know, I wish, I wonder what it would have been like to go to college, you know, with blood sugars that were more stable. Mm-hmm. You really, there's nothing left. And then, and then, and then every three months you go to a doctor, you're like, you have to help me. And they're like, yeah, yeah do better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Well, oh, oh, thank God you're here. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a horrible merry-go-round it, it, you easily could get caught on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's terrible. It real it really is. Um yeah. I'm very happy. I will say it. that I have a much better endocrinologist um now and I got them midway through college and um it's at Vanderbilt. So they're, you know, one of the top diabetes places around here and um they're very encouraging. Anything new that I throw at them, they say, Yeah, let's try it and you know, so that made a huge difference. <laughs> that, that's excellent. And so what you're saying is you, you at some point said to them, Hey, I found a podcast. I'm going to try some other stuff now. And they were supportive of it. Yeah. What was the, I'm trying to think of the question here. What kind of a reaction did you get in the office when you had such a, a drastic decrease in A1C? Like, did they just act like, I, I like I'm I'm interested now. Like what happens to a person with a nine who comes in suddenly with a seven? Do you remember that? Well, that the, visit? the nurse practitioner, um, she immediately was like, Are you having a lot of lows? You know, what's going on? How are you feeling? And I was like, Well, let me give you my um, my Dexcom data through the um the Clarity app and you can see how I've been doing. And she was like, Wow, you know, just seeing how much more of a control that I did have and it wasn't just roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So. And so that was it. Like that, that's, it's the first thought because how could someone go from a nine to a seven in three months? They must have had a bunch of lows and now this number's just not accurate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and their variability is off. Now, once they look at the data and the data proves to them, Hey, you really have like a legit seven. It, I, I, like, what's that moment? Do you remember that moment? Because it's, inc- I would think I'd be incredulous if I was a doctor. I'd just be like, what do I say? Like, like, do I start thinking, did I say something in the last appointment that made a two-point change in our A1C? Like, where did the conversation go, do you recall? Well, um, I told them that really the big difference was having the Dexcom and knowing what's going to happen and being able to prevent if anything is going to go crazy up mm-hmm. or down. Um, and um, I think that was really just the the big point where they said, okay, well, I guess we need to, I think they didn't know as much about the Dexcom as they wanted to. Um, and so it kind of gave them an opportunity to learn as well. Um, I did mention, you know, I listened to the, this, uh, juice box podcast and, um, he really teaches us to be bold with our insulin. And so I kind of took that and ran with it and you could tell they were a little hesitant, um, just because, I had been running higher and now I'm running, you know, where I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, again, it's that fear of, you know, let's make sure she's doing this in a healthy way. And so now you roll in later with your five, your fancy fives, A1Cs, five fours, whatever. <laughs> do you just like, do you just float through the office now? Like, are you like the star person? Do you just like, hello, everyone, it's me. I'm here again. So you can test my blood sugar. I will show you my five, whatever, A1C, you'll send me your prescriptions and and we'll leave. Like, is it more like a parade of Kayla going through the halls? Like, hello, everybody. Like, have you become famous there? Uh, (laughs) What, what, what happens 
Like, what happens when you make that next leap? Like, are they just like, okay, well, you don't need us anymore? Or or what's the vibe? They just were really encouraging, um, saying, you know, this is incredible. You're doing an amazing job. Um, and actually, my endocrinologist said, if you don't want to come back for six months, we can do that. Um, so that really felt good that he trusts me more with my care. That's cool. Um, and so I went back the next three months, and it was 6.2 or 6.1. Um, and then I've, after that, I made the call to go back every six months just cause it's working. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, how so much that's the your... first time I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> how much is your copay? Do you know? Um, 50, 50. So yeah. we've cut out two visits a year at $50 a piece. Not only is this podcast free, it has made you a hundred dollars. Yeah. That's going to be the new thing I tell people. The podcast can make you money. Right, it's a pyramid scheme with your copay somehow. I'll figure out the details later. No, seriously, um, I can't tell you really. I, I always shudder to say that I'm proud of somebody because we don't know each other, and it's reductive for me to tell you I'm proud of you because you don't need me to be proud of you, and it's not my place to be proud of you. But I'm incredibly proud of you, so I'm saying it anyway. I just really, you. oh my god, you're so welcome. <laughs> it, it's it's just. It's everything that I try to tell people on the podcast. It, it just came true for you. you. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's so doable with these little ideas, and and they really aren't. I mean, honestly, today the amount of effort or worry that goes into your diabetes today versus two years ago. Describe the difference between those two. I, I worry about it a lot less and I have more of a routine with it. And I don't know, it just makes every day a lot simpler. <laughs> That's it. That's it's not like this cloud looming over. It's more of like a, okay, let's do it. Let's tackle it. Cool. And what do you do uh, on the days when it seems like too much? How do you, wh- wh- where do you go back to like, like to start over again? So there are still those days and I have to, you know, take time for myself. So um, RC leaves for work really early. So I use that time in the morning to work out and do my yoga and kind of have that time to reset for the day and, um, you know, make sure I'm going to make good food choices during the day. And it's just kind of my mindset moment. Nice. That's excellent. Um, yoga, did you teach it to yourself? Did you go to a class? How did you figure it out? No. So, um, when I worked at a, a music venue back in the day, I did events for them. Um, they had free yoga classes every Saturday. And so I did a few of those and found out that I really loved it. And I was a lot more flexible than I thought I was. And, um, and so when I kind of got out on my own, I found that there was yoga with Adrian. It's like a free YouTube channel and it is awesome. And I mean, she puts up videos every week and, um, so you can follow along with that. And so I've kind of been doing that and, um, I got her, she has her own app now, so you can follow videos on there too. So That's so cool. And so I think what we're all learning right now, listening to you, is that you're proactive, right? Like you're, you're just, you, I mean, somebody offered a free yoga class on a Saturday and you're like, I'll try that. And, you know, like that, sometimes that's all it takes is just a little like, oh, let me see. You know, like, yeah. like let me throw myself into that and see what happens. And if the yoga doesn't end up being it, then it's something else. You keep moving. I mean, right. honestly... It really is like the the overarching theme of your story is that you just 
tried things. Like you, know, you tried that Dexcom all the way back then, and you, you said you were out of control then, and it was overwhelming. But you tried it. You, you know what I mean? You easily could have just ignored it and thought, no, not I won't. You tried, you know, giving your boyfriend access to your data. Um and it, if it didn't work out, you could have just taken it back again. But at least you tried, right? You, you know, yeah. it's excellent. I'm so excited for you. I I really am. We're at the end here, and uh, it feels like I should just tell you how excited I am for you. But um, <laughs> I think that would be uh, unnecessary. So I just want to ask you if there's anything that we didn't talk about that you were hoping to. Well, I I guess I was um, with Arden. Is she is she a junior or still a sophomore what what year is she going to be oh so she's a rising sophomore so when she goes back when she goes back to school in a month or so she'll she'll be in her second year of high school okay are you preparing her for what college is how you handle it with college and have you thought about that yet i think oh thank you look at you kayla bringing something to the (laughs) table here for the podcast okay hold on a second kayla we're not done yet i appreciate this um i think about this a lot and, it, you know, I find that it's situational and that there are these little incremental movements, like, you know, how I thought about getting Arden from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, and all these little steps, right? Mm-hmm. Right now is a super interesting time because by the time Arden is in college or leaving for college, there will be multiple options for closed loop systems, right? Oh, multiple, yeah. multiple options. And how much is that going to change things? Is is what she needs to know going to be wildly different then than it is now? And I think the truth is, I think yes. And I, I also believe that closed-loop systems are not as perfect as we're all hoping. You, you know what I mean? Like, they're not just going to – it's not going to be this magical thing that you slap on and your blood sugar just goes to 85 and stays there forever. It's not that, right? Mm-hmm. But so I think that understanding how to manipulate the algorithm to do what you want it to do and to know when to leave it alone so that it can do what it wants to do, I think that's going to be the way of thinking about diabetes for people who are using those systems. So much like the podcast is full of these like little like tools or you know that that lead to your A1C and Arden's A1C now. Um and everyone else listening, I believe there are going to be tools to, to that space too. And I am currently trying very hard to figure out that so that I can talk about it with you guys. And so that I can pass it on to Arden. The, the things that Arden's really going to need help with are the responsibility factors, mm-hmm. you know, because right now we're doing this thing together. And so what do you do when, someone's not with you all the time. You know, like when one thing we've really accomplished for Arden, I think is that she doesn't really like you talked about diabetes being like a smaller part of your day. It is such an incredibly small part of Arden's life that it's possible, not that it's too small, but that it's that she just doesn't really understand the full impact of it some days. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's times that people step in and say something to her or we get together and think, oh, you know, look what happened here. I think that's the part. Like, that's going to be the most difficult part is the transition from I'm doing it with somebody to I'm doing it more on my own. And I also wonder if it's really necessary, if it won't just find its way naturally. Because it's not like what she and I are doing right now can't continue 
to some degree or whatever degree she's comfortable with in college. Yeah. It, you know, like I, I would, this is not a brag, but I am at the point now where if you just gave me your data, I could probably manage your diabetes and I don't know you. It would take me a couple of hours to figure it out and we'd be okay. And so I've done it remotely with other people. There are people listening right now who are like, oh, Scott followed my kid's blood sugars for weeks. It's not something that I talk about a lot because I don't have the bandwidth to do it for everybody who I imagine would want to do it. But mm-hmm. there have been some people who have had very significant cases and I've been like, okay, let me take a look and I help them bump things around a little bit. But I've, I can, I can bolus remotely. Like I, I have this thing. I don't know. At this point I can kind of close my eyes and imagine what's going on. Like I sort of know what to do. And so I could keep doing that with her. I don't imagine she would want that. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to put myself in the, the, the space of a 19 year old art in the off at school. Like, I don't know that she would want that and maybe she would, or maybe she'd want some version of it. So I don't know. I think we adjust as we go. We, that's what we've been doing this whole time. Just making these small adjustments to how we handle things. And we course correct a lot. So I don't think it's going to be any different than that, but you might know better than me. You know, what would you, what would you want if you, if you had the opportunity for me to help you in college, would you want that or would you not? Um, to an extent, but I also want to know that I can handle it. Um, and that, I mean, when I was in college, I didn't really share with anyone that I had type one. Um, and I would hide my Omnipod. And, um, so it was a kind of a different mindset for me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think for, at an extent, I do wish I had some help, but I also wanted to know that I could handle it. And that, you know, what if I decide to take a weekend trip with some girlfriends, then I can know that I can handle myself and, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, so I have the perspective of a lot of different people because of this podcast. Again, it helps me way more than it helps you guys. I, I hope everybody knows that, but you know, there's a, I I don't know. I don't want, I'm not, I don't want to give people's details away, but there's a junior in college somewhere in this country who. I speak with on the regular and they're having trouble right now with their basal rates and they're waiting to talk about them with a parent. But this person's now going through a lot of lows. And a part of me wants to say to them, like, you know what to do. Like you should just do it. You know, like you don't need to go talk to your mom or dad first, Mm -hmm. but, um, I know they know, and I know they'll get to that point at some, at some point point, but that they're on their path. You know what I mean? Like their process is taking the time that it's taking. Right. And and so I get to see that person's experience and I get to talk to a person who's 35, who has the luxury of looking back and saying, I wish my parents were more involved. One of the things that sticks with me from one of the shows is that someone said, I constantly was pushing my parents away, but I wish they would have stayed more involved. Like, so that's like a parenting thing to me, right? Like what, what happens when a kid tells you, I don't need you, but you know, they do. Right. And I was back to an extent as well. You know, so I see that part of it from those stories and, you know, you see the stories of the people who are, you know, as, you know, as having small problems with their eyes or retinopathy or trigger finger and all the way up to people who've needed kidneys and, And when I listen to their stories over and over again, if they started with diabetes at a younger age, they all have similar backgrounds of parents who were like, you'll be fine. Like, you know what you're doing. And they didn't. 
they all know that like in the back of their mind, they didn't know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. But to tell their parents, no, no, I don't know what I'm doing felt like a letdown to the parents. So they sort of didn't say anything. So there's a balance between positivity and reality, right? Like, like, it's nice to say you go get them killer, you can do it. But if they can't really do it, then that's not a great message, right? Right. So th then, then the message needs to shift to, I believe in you, I can help you. So I'll, I'll support you here. And I think you can put it into practice. And to be honest, I don't know who of all those people Arden's going to be. So I just have to sort of stay fluid and wait for it to show itself and then keep adjusting. I don't really see parenting much differently than I see blood sugars, honestly. If that makes any sense. I don't know. Now, if I drop dead, she's, she's screwed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but, but I think, I, I honestly, there are times that I think like, what if I just like, you know, what if I did die? Like, what would she do? And my, it's funny, the best thing that I can find myself hoping for is that she goes back to episode one of this podcast and listens through it. Yeah. Because it works for other people. I think it would work for her too. So that's my backup plan in, in, in the, uh, my backup plan is that if I don't find a way to be a, a decent parent through the transition, that maybe everyone else's stories will help her. I don't know. I feel like I've got my bases covered here, but maybe I don't. Now, I hope she knows how lucky she is to have you and have you so in tune with her, you know, everyday struggle and whether it's good or bad, you know, you're very in tune and that's really awesome to have. She's my moon pie. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she's your moon pie. All right. What what do you think about naming this episode Shamu Can't Cook? <laughs> you know, that that works. <laughs> it's all I've thought in the back of my head for the last 45 minutes. Can I get away with calling this episode Shamu Can't Cook? Or am I the only person who thinks that's funny? I can't tell. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What what what's something about Tennessee that I that I like Tennessee what do I, what do we call this one? Can I call it the Great Smoky Mountains? Like what what's what's the what's the thing? I don't know. You don't have any idea. See? Listen. Music City. <laughs> for all you people who give me trouble about what the podcast episode, it's not easy to come up with a title of a podcast episode. See, just right, Kayla was like, I asked her something about the place where she grew up, and she's like, uh see? All right, I win. I get to call it whatever I want. It's Shamu can't cook. That's enough. Well, Tennessee's such a long state, it's almost like it's three different region it's three different states in one so like you have the great smoky mountains to the east and then you the middle is kind of known for nashville and music city and then the west is memphis and you know it's a long flat state yeah, yeah. a lot going on and that's not a good episode title long flat <laughs> state that's not gonna work all right kayla i'm gonna say goodbye okay thank you so much for doing this thank you I want to thank Kayla for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. And while I'm at it, I want to thank the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter and Touched by Type 1. It's possible you'll be eligible for a free meter. Go to ContourNextOne.com to find out. And of course, support or witness what Touched by Type 1 is doing at TouchedByType1.org. The tools that Kayla spoke about in the show are part of the Juicebox podcast. There's a series actually called Diabetes Pro Tip. 
It begins at episode 210, and they run not concurrently throughout the show, so some people have trouble finding them. Because of that, I launched a website, diabetesprotip.com. No S at the end. Diabetesprotip.com. If you're interested in seeing them all collected in one place, go there and check them out. But then, of course, you can listen right through your podcast player. You don't have to listen online, but you can. And if you're somebody who's been helped by those tips in the past, feel free, as a matter of fact, feel more than free, to share diabetespro.tip.com with a friend.